Pleased to report that the Calgary Flames are still alive. There were two really good games last night. Calgary, Winnipeg, one of them. Tampa, the New York Rangers, uh, the other one. Edmonton, Anaheim was good. Uh, nothing wrong with that game. Nice job by Clem Costin in, in that one. Um, Tampa and the New York Rangers was wild and a combination of old school and something that we, I think, safe to say, kind of expect in the first round. Um, not necessarily between these two teams, but just the first round in general. Uh, new school skill and old school violence in that Rangers-Tampa game. But, you know, the big story going into it, back-to-back for Jacob Markstrom, back-to-back for the Calgary Flames, season on the line, the Winnipeg Jets win this one. It's a four-point cushion. And the Winnipeg Jets get all the tiebreakers if they win last night. 3-1 to one is the final score. And the Calgary Flames live for another day. Um... And Walker Dewar is really, really good, uh, as everyone is, uh, uh, is as everyone is starting to understand now. Uh, coming up in a couple of moments, Elliot Friedman stops by. We got a lot to get into, not just stuff from last night, but also things that we're speculating on today. Uh, semifinals in the Frozen Four, and listen, we could see some uh, some players joining NHL teams as early as tomorrow at five o'clock Eastern. Today, BU faces off against number one ranked Minnesota. And then at 7 o'clock later on this evening, it is Michigan. It is Quinnipiac. Uh, that is your semifinal. We'll talk to Elliot about players who could be coming out and signing contracts and joining their teams. I think of particular note, certainly the Toronto Maple Leafs fans, a lot of questions around Matthew Nyes. But if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, you're looking at, you know, Rutger McGordy. And if you're a New Jersey Devils fan, you're looking at Luke Hughes. Uh, and if you're the Los Angeles Kings, you're looking at Eric Portillo. I think that one gets done. Um, ASAP is as soon as Michigan goes out, either today uh, or Saturday. So lots of questions there. Uh, in the meantime, today we'd, uh, we threw out an interesting question of the day. Well, I think it's interesting anyhow. Um, the QOD today, which non-playoff team do you expect to make it in next season and why? You can still get in on this one. JM show at sportsnet.ca or you can just uh, send me either a DM uh, or a tweet. And one of the first people to get in was two-time Stanley Cup champion netminder Curtis McElhaney, who says, and this was a constant, like of, of all the teams that we got responses on, and we'll bring Matt Marchese in on this one, Buffalo was probably top shelf. Uh, McElhaney says, I'll go Buffalo because after they start 10-0 and like they have been, they'll actually sustain it next season. I don't know that there's been a fan base. Eh, maybe Vancouver. But I don't know if there's been a fan base that has been false started more in the last however many years, like just seduced into these lengthy winning streaks only to see them falter. Maybe Philadelphia, you can throw them into that equation as well, more so than the Buffalo Sabres. But uh, a text I get from uh, a friend of mine in the industry, we'll call her a team staffer, um, submits this one. Um, If Columbus or Anaheim get Bedard, they make the playoffs next year. Here's the logic. Anaheim loaded up the middle with Bedard, McTavish, and Zegras. Potential of moving Zegras to the wing. That's a really good point because they get Bedard up the gut. It is Bedard, McTavish, 1-2. Apologies, Trevor Zegras. He might be long-term a winger there for Anaheim, but we'll see what happens uh, in the lottery. Lots of young D that could make impact, as we've seen in the past with Anaheim. True. Uh, Lucas Dosto will take another step and may cement himself as the starter or at least 50-50 with John Gibson. I like Dosto a lot, and they like him there uh, a ton in Anaheim as well and will positively impact guys like Strom and Vitrano. Now, the logic for Columbus... 
for next season. I'm not so sure I'm on base with this one, but we'll see. Um, if they get Bedard, injury-ridden this year, but first line of Goudreau, Bedard, Line is crazy. Uh, another year of Johnson and expect Sillinger to take a step. Uh, Wierenski healthy and the addition of Juracek, their first rounder from last year, will be massive. And I expect they will get a goaltender this summer. Uh, for your chance to get in on this conversation, who's not making it this year, but who could be in next season? JM Show at sportsnet.ca. Hello, Matt Marchese. Before we get to Elliot Friedman here in a second, how are you today, pal? I'm good, Jeffrey. How are you? Uh, I'm good, man. So uh, I'm guessing that most of the feedback we got on on this one was the Buffalo Sabres, who technically are still not out of this thing. A quick check here. The tragic number for the Buffalo Sabres is seven. Uh, They need some help. They could have done themselves a world of good against Florida two nights ago, but now they need help from the out-of-town scoreboard. Uh, But what seemed to be, uh, what what caught your eye? We'll we'll read one of the uh, emails before we get the free cheer. Who caught your yeah. eye, Maddie? Um, this one. Uh, so Ottawa was also a constant. Um, the the one that the one yep. that was actually that I liked was uh, this one from Swashbuckler on Twitter. Uh, St. Louis. The hands Ooh. on that steering wheel are experienced and determined to get back in. Their time. Their timeline is present, not future. Yeah, they don't do the uh, strip down rebuild thing. Um, and there's plenty of young players on this team. That next wave is is already there. So um, I like I again like whenever you consider who's going to make it in next season, you have to also consider who's going to fall out of it. And that's why if you know if someone's going to recommend or if someone's going to suggest the Vancouver Canucks, it's like well okay, but who is going to fall out there? Is it going to be Vegas? Is it going to be Edmonton? Is it going to be LA? Like, it's tough. That division is tough, but I get it. Anyway, this will be the theme that runs through today's show. Uh, coming up on the other side, Elliot Friedman, Vince Mercogliano from Lowhud.com. We'll talk about that vicious, like beautifully vicious, New York Rangers-Tampa Bay Lightning game from last night. Mike Rupp joins me uh, in Hour 2, random player of the day, and Pete Weber, Nashville Predators, Play-by-play voice as the Preds are trying to hold on. Let's get to Elliot here. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, Elliot Friedman, we'll start you off with the question of the day. Which team who's not going to make it this season makes it in next season, according to you? I'll go with Ottawa. Ottawa's my pick. Over the Buffalo Sabres. Over the Buffalo yeah, Sabres. Because uh, what, what I figured, Jeff, was that I was looking at the list and I was saying, okay, who's everybody going to pick? And I figured there would be a lot of people oh, picking yeah. Buffalo. So I was like, I can't go with that too. Yeah. It's too obvious and too simplistic. And I have to be contrarian on some level. So I decided to go with Ottawa. <laughs> I don't know that Ottawa is really that contrarian or, or much of a hipster pick. I think, you know, there were some big expectations this year for the Ottawa Senators. You know, staying healthy was was one issue. Maybe the biggest issue for the Ottawa Senators didn't start great either. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens with Alex DeBrinkett. That will be one of the big decisions. Can they get a, a full, healthy season out of, out of Josh Norris? And, you know, they'll have one full season with Jacob Chikrin as well. Um, if it is going to be Ottawa, what does the whole thing hinge on in your estimation? Who's playing goal next year? Yep. 
Like, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like Talbot's going to be back. Forsberg, he's skating again, so I assume he's playing. So is it a Forsberg Sogard double? Is that good enough to do it for you? I think eventually Sogard is going to be the guy there. The only question is, is he good enough to shoulder even a 50-50 load next season? I guess that would be the big one there. Um, okay, bracket that kind of Jeff, it's, it's kind of, uh, Elliot. It's kind of hard to send him back to the AHL next year after this, don't you think? You can't. You can't. The only question is, like, what's he going to be like a full season in the NHL? That's the the only question for me. But he, he, like, definitely looks really good. Okay. um, To a couple of games last night, and then I want to talk to you about the Frozen Four and some players that we may be seeing uh, in the NHL as soon as checks watch tomorrow. Um, Your thoughts on, first of all, the Calgary Flames staying alive. Like, I looked at the three games last night, and there were two beauties. Tampa Rangers was great, and so was Calgary and the Winnipeg Jets. Did it not seem to you like every single shift, everyone on the Calgary Flames roster understood the score, understood what was at stake, and were not going to lose a shift? And maybe that starts with the goaltender, Jacob Markstrom, who went back-to-back. Well, I, I would advise everybody to watch uh, Jacob Markstrom's interview with Sean Reynolds post game, and uh, like a couple questions in, uh, there was a really interesting exchange where Reynolds asked Markstrom about playing the previous night, and Markstrom basically looked at Sean and said, "Yeah, I didn't play last night, so I was plenty arrested tonight." Like basically saying, "I suck so bad that I, I there was no reason I couldn't play again." <laughs> And I thought it was such a fantastic yes. answer. Like I, I, it was such a good answer. It was a really good interview, and really, really blunt comment by Markstrom. And um, so, uh, like, I think Markstrom knew. Like, on one level, I would bet you, if you're the Calgary Flames or or one of their fans, the win last night makes you even angrier that you lost that game to the Blackhawks on Tuesday. It's just, it's so frustrating because now. If you win that game against the Blackhawks on Tuesday, you're two points up, even though the Jets still have a game in hand and the tiebreaker. Now you're even, and the Jets have all those things. It's a, it's a big challenge. You know, the good news for us, Jeff, is Saturday is such a huge night because we've got Winnipeg, Nashville, and then Calgary, Vancouver. Those are two massive games. Yep. And... You know, like the th- like, I thought Markstrom was really good last night. I laughed when he scored the bottle at Dubois. Like to me, you're. I mean, I'm sure the Jets fans didn't think that was as funny, but you know, to me, when you're doing stuff like that, you're engaged. And that save right before the two-one goal, you know, it, it it might be the save of the year that saves the Calgary Flames season. But the one thing that was clear to me, Jeff, is that the Flames recognized they had to win that game in regulation. They, they couldn't play safe and and go for and go for overtime. First of all, they're terrible at it, and secondly, they know that they they can't let the Jets get that extra point. You know, one of the things we talked about yesterday was um, teams that recognize the moment and look to snuff out their opponent's season. And we brought up the example of the Edmonton Oilers in the '80s, who might have been, you know, historically, if you look at. You know, the history of the league, they might have been the best at that. Like that Oilers team, that Oilers team understood what was at stake at all times. And when they had someone on the ropes, you know, they they put them out. 
That was that was Edmonton. It was, it was funny, too. I always got the sense that, you know, when Edmonton was playing in one of those crucial games, if you scored on them, they almost took it personally. Like, they were offended that you would even try against them, that you would try to score. And if they scored, they would take that personally, and they would get offended by it. That's how, that's how highly they thought of themselves, and that's what they expected of themselves. But, you know, we went into this one last night saying, okay, what's going to be stronger? Calgary's desperation or Winnipeg's will to snuff out the Calgary Flames season. We got our answer, but now we have questions about the Winnipeg Jets again because it was right there for them, but the killer instinct wasn't there. Despite the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois tried almost single-handedly to run over just about every single Calgary Flame on the ice, maybe even including Jacob Markstrom. Yeah, you know, I thought Dubois played really well tonight. I mean, or last night. Uh, the other thing, too, is when Winnipeg scored the first goal, like, how many times this year have we seen the Flames give up one early? Like, just, it's like over and over and over and over again. And I guess the Flames, they're almost, like, used to it now. They're like, oh, okay, well, we're down one nothing two minutes in again. Like, we joke about it's a really bad sign when they're selling other teams celebrating a goal while the lines are still up on the Sportsnet screen. Like, that's how you know you're you were being scored against too early. <laughs> but, like, again, like, Winnipeg, they had that early lead, and, you know, they could have put them away. Like, Calgary could have folded. They could have put them away. Um, they didn't. And, you know, I, 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 was, I did mention this yesterday about, like, that was, that was Winnipeg's chance to go Mike Tyson, to say I'm delivering the knockout punch right away, two minutes yeah. into the fight, first round, and they didn't do it. And, how many times has that happened with the Jets this year where they look like they've, they've put themselves into the playoffs and they're in a really good spot and they lose and they let teams back in. It's, it's incredible. It, it really is. Um, the other one last night, and, and by the way, the Edmonton game, I mentioned off the top, it was a good game, it was an entertaining game. Clem Costin, I thought, was outstanding in that game. Again, he's had a really nice season for Edmonton. But, you know, the other one that, you know, got everyone to, to sit up and pay attention, that Tampa-New York Rangers game. You know, we talked about Tampa a couple of weeks ago against the Boston Bruins starting to get into the, the mindset of being in the playoffs and competing like you're in the playoffs and we saw it on both sides last night. You know, we saw Kalorn, you know, pitchforking Shesterkin. We saw, you know, uh, Braden Schneider step up on, on Ross Colton. Uh, ben Harper fights Patrick Maroon. Ben Harper fights Corey Perry. Trocek fights Corey Perry. Schneider fights Ross Colton. Like, and at the end of all of it, uh, the Rangers win 6-3. to three. But, like, that was an opening playoff round game last yeah. night between Tampa and the Rangers at MSG, Elliot. I thought it was really interesting that Chris Mason called out Shesterkin today uh, on Twitter for for embellishing the the one play there with Kalor. Um and because to me to see to see like because Chris Mason, I mean the guy played three hundred NHL games. Like this is a guy with a legit uh, CV, and to to see him do that on social media right before the playoffs, I thought that was really I thought that was really interesting. Um, I, I'll tell you this, like that was, that was a great game too. It was, it was really entertaining. A couple of real good early games. And, you know, there's two things. The the other thing we should talk about outside that game, the lightning play tonight, they play the Islanders. And I want to see what the story is with Sorelli. Like he didn't finish that game last night. 
And if he, and if this is any yep. kind of anything serious, that's that's a big, big deal for Tampa, Toronto. A big deal for Tampa, Toronto. Um, I just thought that was a great game. It's everything I like to see uh, at the beginning of this year or at the end of this year. And like that's the way Tampa's going to play in the playoffs. That's what Toronto's going to see. And um, a friend of mine who's a Lightning fan, he said to me, when Kucherov covers up the playoff, the uh, the penalty box camera, that's when I know he's in playoff mode. Yeah. So, so Kucherov is ready. <laughs> what did you make of all the violence last night, too? Well, I just think I, I just think that um, it's that time of year, right? It starts to ratchet up. Um, yeah. You know, Perry on Truba, and, you know, the thing about Perry is it's hard to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, he knows exactly exactly what he's doing. Truba's a lightning rod. Um, like, I think those Rangers guys, one of the reasons I think they were all upset is they know that that Truba, um, he, he makes everybody on that Ranger team play five inches bigger, right? He, you know, they... Yep. Why they beat Pittsburgh for two reasons last year. Number one, the Penguins goalies fell apart because of the injuries. Mm-hmm. And number two, because Truba single-handedly changed the series. And that's, there's a reason he was made captain. And I think that was it. And I, and I think when he got hurt and the Rangers were mad at Perry, that game took a whole other level. And, you know, Tampa, they're not afraid to play that game. They like that game. That's a, that's a team that's consistently at the top of the league in penalty minutes. And if you're telling them that that's the kind of game they're going to play, they're more than happy to play it. Yeah, you know what I thought the entire time, Elliot? Because we've talked about how Tampa is one of the, you know, uh, as much as we were seduced by the skill, like that's a nasty team. And they always have been. But, you know, there's the, uh, you know, they have, they have the perfume of being a, uh, a fancy passing high scoring team. And they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're mm-hmm. also like dirt under the fingernails. Like that, that's Tampa. Mm-hmm. I looked at that game and I said, this is a Gerard Gallant game. I said, Elliot, this is how Gerard yeah. Gallant, first of all, that's how Gerard Gallant played hockey, and that's yeah. exactly how he likes his teams to play hockey. Did you get the same impression? Yes, uh, absolutely I do. Um, what, is, what does Gallant hate? What does he say? Like, I, I've been to enough interviews with him and seen him at coaching clinics to know, and I've seen him say it, that very few things get him mad, but one thing that gets him mad is when he feels his team is being pushed around. And um, I think against Tampa, you have to be prepared to uh, answer that kind of thing. And, you know, he would have been okay with that. I think the other thing, too, is I think that, you know, they're likely going to play the Devils in the first round, right? I think the Devils are a tough matchup for the Rangers, a, a really tough matchup for them. I think they're really fast. Uh, I think the Rangers are going to have a challenge with that. But I think like Truba, like he did last year in that Penguin series, he could have an effect here. And I think that the Rangers know that they're going to have to play the devil's heart. And so that kind of a game, I think we're going to see the Rangers knowing they have to play that kind of a game to beat the devil's. 
Um, all right, you mentioned Tampa faces off against the New York Islanders, and uh, our mutual friend, the big Lebowski, uh, Michael Leboff, sends me a text, scariest night of, sorry, scariest day of the season. Now, he's a big Islanders fan, as we all know. It is the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning this evening. Probably, if you just look at the schedule, and the Islanders just have four games remaining, the toughest test for the Islanders. But as our mutual friend John Davis sends me a note, Tampa has lost six straight on the back end of back-to-back games. Making things even worse, as we don't know, to your point about Anthony Sorelli as well. So if you're the New York Islanders, um, you're looking at this one here and you're saying, okay, we know what's happening around us. We're running out of real estate here. This is going to be our toughest test. Um, We still need this one. After this is Philadelphia, Washington, Montreal. I get it. But you Mm -hmm. don't want to give up any ground here. You've got four games. Florida's got four games. Pittsburgh's got four games. Pittsburgh trails both Florida and the Islanders by a single point. This may come down to the last games for each of the season where Florida faces Carolina and uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins face off against Columbus. This is, even though, to John Davis's point, it's not a pretty record for back-to-backs for the Tampa Bay Lightning, this is still a big game for the Islanders and one that's probably not going to be easy for each. No, and a tough one for Pittsburgh tonight, too. They've got Minnesota, right? So they, they, Minnesota, yes. it's, a, it's, a, it's a big challenge for the Penguins. They've got Jari starting tonight. Um, I think, you know, first of all, you've got a lot of people texting you. That's number one. Number two, uh, John Davis pointed out that Winnipeg's last, uh, going into last night, they've won, I think, three times in a row against uh, – Teams that were playing on the back end of back-to-backs, and then they blew that one. So yep. that so this goes out the window. I mean, look like the the <laughs> one thing I told you, the one thing I told you, and I and I do believe this is that the Islanders I think are going to make it because they got the best goaltending. Um, I, I like I look at those teams that are all standing there in the race at the end of the Eastern Conference, and if I had to bet, I would bet on the Islanders because they have the best goaltending. But I haven't liked the way they've looked. Now, you know, like, I know you really think those East back-to-backs are really tough. I know that drive from Manhattan to Long Island is <laughs> is is really challenging. Yes. There's, you know, there's a little bit of traffic. Mm. Maybe you can't drive that quickly. I know yeah. it's really challenging. But, yeah. you know, t- same, Tampa same, played same as those, uh, those, de- those Devils Flyers. Same as those Devils yes. Flyers oh, matchups. Oh, my God, killer. Killer, I don't know how people can do it. Um, uh, like, I I think the out like, look, the, the, the Lightning played an emotional tough game last night. We've talked about it. Islanders have to take advantage yeah. of that. You, 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 you have to take advantage of the kind of game that, that Tampa played last night. Yeah. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs face off against the Boston Bruins. Uh, tonight, there's the Ryan O'Reilly story there uh, with the mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs. There's also a Ryan O'Reilly story today in the Frozen Four. And I think Maple Leafs fans will be watching uh, BU face off against Minnesota, wondering about Matthew Nyes. Uh, his season either ends tonight or Saturday. Uh, depending on how the University of Minnesota does. And we asked the same question about Lane Hudson, and Montreal fans are wondering there about the BU prospect, Rector McGrory, Luke Hughes of Michigan, Eric Portillo, who I believe will be signed whenever Michigan season is over. But w- what's the uh, what's the scuttlebutt? What are the whispers about Matthew Nyes in Toronto? Well, 
I think this. I think everybody's kind of expected that Nice is is going to get done, and uh, uh, I, I think most people tend to lean in that direction. I have been told if there's one concern here, it's going to be a, a negotiation over bonuses. And you know, for one thing, the Maple Leafs have a really tight cap situation, and uh, you know, in the past. Some of their top prospects who have signed have decided to forego bonuses because it gets them to the NHL quicker. Yep. quicker. Uh, Nick Robertson did that. Rasmus Sandin did that. Uh, but I also think that there was, if you just look at the lease uh, situation cap-wise, I also think there was uh, like a question being asked about full signing bonus. Like, is it possible that maybe he not take the full signing bonus that's available. And like someone just said to me that that if there was any, if there was going to be any issue here, it was going to be something like that. Like just a question about will Nyes be okay with all the bonus money or lack thereof. And that's uh, that was what someone said to me was the only thing they concerned, uh, concerned them about this negotiation. Is there any chance that, the signing bonus situation or the bonuses situation was going to be a problem. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see when the time comes. Like you mentioned Hudson, there's also Luke Hughes yep. and there's also yep. uh, Skylar Brindamore is another one I'm watching because the Oilers have a decision to yep. make there. And like I've said, I've heard the vultures are circling if Edmonton decides not to go that route. Be a curious day. Um, Frozen Four semifinals today, Emily Arena in Tampa, home of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Hey, you know what got a lot of play for me last night? I just threw it out there to, you know, uh, promoting our, our conversation on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. The Chicago Wolves story. And, you know, a, a lot of people, certainly people that follow the American Hockey League um, closely weighed in right away. Um, things like this have been whispered about for a while around the American Hockey League. What kind of feedback did you get? Now, just to refresh for those that weren't with us yesterday, um, Elliot talking about you know the story that you know the Chicago Wolves are looking to run as an independent, i.e., not affiliated with an NHL team next season. As it stands right now, thirty-two American Hockey League teams all have affiliations uh, with an NHL squad. Chicago, the Wolves looking to break away from that. What kind of feedback did you get from that yesterday? Well, it's interesting. Like, um, I think that uh, I have to tell you, I had some NHL teams that pointed out they, they weren't surprised. Like, if you, if you look at, um, you know, the, the history of affiliations uh, with Chicago is um, they, they had Atlanta, and then they all. Then they went. They had St. Louis for a while. They had, um, they had Vegas for a while. And then they went to Carolina. Like they have switched affiliations more than the average team. And you know what's what a couple teams say to me is that Chicago makes it very clear. And I did speak to Wendell Young, their general manager, yesterday, and he pointed out that right near the top of their affiliate agreement, they sign with any NHL team. Like you said, in the first two or three lines, that we are here to develop and we are here to try to win. And, you know, what a couple Mm -hmm. NHL teams said to me was, some some of their affiliates will understand if, like, for a year or two you don't make the playoffs. They don't like it, 
but they get that happens sometimes. Chicago doesn't like that. Like they want to try to win every year. And, you know, if there was anything that surprised them, they said the Hurricanes, you know, their affiliate won the Calder, uh, Calder Cup two years ago. Chicago won the Calder Cup last year. And so it's not like Carolina is a bad uh, affiliate, a bad partner. But they didn't make, they're not probably not going to make the playoffs this year. And what someone said to, the most interesting thing someone said to me was, Will Chicago ever have an NHL affiliate again? Or will teams always look at this and say, this is not a partnership that's going to work for us? Hmm. See, the the, the one thing that I wonder about here as well is, will Chicago be the last team to do this? Like, will there be other AHL teams that decide to go this route? I don't know the answer. I'm just lobbing it. Well, out the, the, a, the interesting thing is, like, twenty of the 32 teams, 21 of them are NHL owned. So those guys aren't mm-hmm. doing it. Um, you know, I think one of the things that everyone's going to be curious about here is, do the Wolves get good players? Like, the the best young prospects in the AHL probably – aren't going there. Right? So now who do you who who do you get? Who are now like Young said to me he got a lot of calls. Uh, like there were a lot of agents calling him to kind of figure out what exactly is going on here. Um so and he said there were a lot of agents who called him and like like you can take like you can take a look there's some good AHL players who don't have contracts for next year. There are some guys who went to Europe last year who they could see them there, but they also have to fit the, the rules, right? They don't like the veteran rule. You can't, I think more than five veterans, they still have to follow that. So I think people are curious. Like, I think this could be a one year thing where everybody looks and says, okay, how does this go before we get an answer on, Mm. okay, more teams might want to do this. Really interesting situation. Um, we're out of time. Fridge, as always, uh, thanks so much. Uh, we will uh, we will be watching tonight. Listen, there's 14 games uh, around yeah. the NHL this evening. This is an incredible night of uh, of hockey watching. Uh, we will most notably be in tune with everything that we're doing on Sportsnet on Ontario. It's Leafs and Bruins on 360 East West Pacific, the Wild and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Huge game there. Uh, later on Pacific, the Chicago Blackhawks face off against the Vancouver Canucks. And on 360 at 10 o'clock, it is the Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights. Elliot, sign me up for some of that. This should be a great one. We'll uh, talk all about it tomorrow. Thanks, pal. Take care. There is Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts, Hockey Night in Canada and part of the Leaf Regional Broadcast as the Maple Leafs face off against the Boston Bruins 7 o'clock Eastern there on Sportsnet Ontario. All right. I'm going to rewind and talk about that Rangers game last night. I really hope you had a chance to watch a good part of it or at least catch some of the highlights. If you watched the highlights, you saw essentially what happened last night. This was a combination of skill and violence. And beautiful, lovely, as Kelly Rudy likes to point out, hockey hatred, which can be a very beautiful thing. Thank you very much. Uh, Between two teams that, uh, well, let's face it, historically uh, have not gotten along. Uh, Another 
uh, pay another uh, chapter in that uh, in that story between the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, our good buddy Vince Mercogliano from Loha.com will fill us in on the latest in Rangerland. We'll find out uh, any injury updates as well. We'll park some time. What's happening with Pat Kane? What's the latest on Jacob Truba? And uh, do we expect more of that down the stretch uh, by the Gerard Gallant-led New York Rangers? Like, people that are my vintage who watch Gerard Gallant's career, I'm speaking to you specifically right now. Was that not a Gerard Gallant hockey game we saw last night? Like, if you close your eyes for a second and imagine, okay, Gerard Gallant, not in a Detroit Red Wings uniform, but in a New York Rangers uniform, He's really comfortable playing in that game we saw last night. Vince Bercogliano joins me in moments. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Keep it here.